Hey, Peter Howard here from the Dynasty Crossroads Show. Did you know people that listen to the Dynasty Crossroads Show are 20% more likely to be happy? Probably. Maybe. This and other maybe facts on the Dynasty Crossroads. Check it out. Yeah. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the... Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price. Oh yeah, we are the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I am Dan, that's Ryan over there is Matt. We are fired up for episode 529 of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. This episode of the pod is brought to you by the best and easiest place to play fantasy football. That's underdogfantasy.com. Matt? Ryan, how you doing, guys? You ready for some football? It's happening. It's really here. We got real games last weekend. Um, mostly pretty well, ugly games, but uh, but real games. So that was good to see for sure. Um, yeah, I'm ready. We Lots to talk about, it feels like. Yeah, there is so much that we need to get through and... Uh, you mentioned that there's real games. There were there were some star players, a few here and there that got on the field. Not uh, not an abundance of them, of course, and and some certainly plenty of backups that got on the field during during week one of the preseason. We're fired up for week two. Last year we got a few more players, Matt, that played in week uh, week week two of the preseason. Hopefully we get to we, we follow that trajectory again this year and we get to we get to see more players on the field in week two and week three. There were some small takeaways, I would say, in week one, and we'll try to get to some of that as we move along. Uh, we got a lot to cover, though. There's lots of news. We got to talk about a bunch of rookies once again. There, that was uh, that was a hit last week. So and there's so much more news again this week. Um, so before we get to that, though, let's. Let's get Matt in here. Matt, how's it going? It's going well, man. Uh, I was very excited to watch some preseason football. Lots of fun rookies. Really fun watching those quarterbacks, uh, those young quarterbacks especially. So uh, I'm excited. We're we're ready for we're ready for fantasy, man. I'm getting my lineups yeah. ready. I made some trades this week to get the lineups ready to nice. go. So Ooh, we might go. have to get some details on that later on in the show. But let's uh, let's fire things up right away here. The startup. So throughout this preseason and really training camp, the startup has become news and notes from around the league, really, that uh, we need to touch on because there's so much to talk about. Not really any major ones in the last week. Uh, So let's just fire through these as quickly as we can. First, Ramondre Stevenson, Matt. He's practicing in that pass-catching role. We all know you are the PPR running back guru. You believe in all that stuff. Um, James White retired in the last eight or 10 days. Jamie, Damian Harris has never really been that pass catching threat out of the backfield rumors. He could be traded or a trade candidate. Even what do you think of Ramondre Stevenson's upside as a pass catcher? If he gets that role? Yeah. I mean, I think he has the most upside in that entire backfield. I don't think that's saying that much. I don't think we expect Damian Harris to get 15 touchdowns or whatever it was again. So if he can really carve out part of the, um, you know, the two down role and take that pass catching role, uh, then uh, that's something to be excited about. He's been moving up in our underdog ADP, but I've been taking him in the double early double digit rounds uh, for basically all off season. He's, he's just above that now, I believe. Um, so he's definitely getting more expensive. Um, I don't think I got, I got turned down in a dynasty league for him for a second and a third round pick. So I don't know, maybe he costs two seconds, maybe he costs a first at this point. So people are paying attention, and I think his upside is through the roof. Uh, I, I think if, if something happens to Harris, I mean, are we looking at a, a low-end, or excuse me, a high-end running back two, low-end running back one? I think that's possible in that offense. It certainly feels like that is his upside, and, and maybe that even exists, maybe, maybe not quite that high, but but maybe the possibility, Ryan, exists that there could be two running backs that are useful to dynasty players if Stevenson indeed gets that pass catching work? Well, I think there there's almost always two useful running backs in New England. It's just the confusing uncertainty of when to play which guy. And, you know, the, the season long numbers usually look pretty good, but it's that week to week battle of, of who to go with. I think Steven, 
Stevenson could be overcoming that. Matt mentioned that he's climbing in that redraft uh, ADP or underdog ADP. He's climbing in dynasty ADP as well. We will have that August ADP on the site very soon. It is nearly done, uh, but Ramondre Stevenson is going to show up as an eighth rounder in that ADP. That's his second highest uh, mark ever. He's also ahead of his teammate Damian Harris for just the second time ever in our ADP. So definitely, uh, definitely a riser. And, and that data was even collected uh, before what we saw on the field over the past few days. So uh, yeah, I, I think we're looking at Stevenson. If we're doing a startup draft right now, maybe even like a sixth rounder in a, in a single quarterback draft. Yeah. So both of you indicating that the value is moving up. He's harder to get on the trade market, certainly harder to get in uh, startup drafts as well for good reason Stevenson if we jump in the time machine and, and fast forward 12 months certainly looks to be in line to be the the primary and maybe even bell cow running back in New England let's jump to the next bit of news that we have here sticking to the AFC East quarterback Zach Wilson had that kind of freaky looking injury in their first preseason game uh, non-contact kind of tried to cut back inexplicably really why was he doing that instead of just stepping out of bounds in a preseason game uh Wilson had surgery on that knee they're they're talking about a two to four week timetable not even ruling out week one just yet Ryan what are your takeaways for for the Zach Wilson injury in a as a whole in New York uh, I'm, I'm not quite sure. I believe the two week uh, timetable or, or even being ready by week one. Um, I mean, while, while they're certainly not always reliable, the, the Twitter doctors that, that share their opinions and there are many of them, including our own guy, Jeff Mueller at DLF uh, they're throwing out more in that six week range. So I, I don't expect to see Zach Wilson early in the season and, you know, there were there were kind of some jokes out there, although I'm not sure that they're jokes that if, if Zach Wilson is out, maybe we bump Elijah Moore up our rankings. Uh, so that kind of tells you how people are feeling about Zach Wilson right now. I mean, he needs more work than any of these second year quarterbacks, I would argue. Exactly. Right now, he's not going to get that. So, I mean, we were I think most of us, maybe all of us were out on Zach Wilson before this. And I'm, I'm really out on him, at least from this year. Um, now, um, and you know, if you have uh, uh, waivers before the season starts, you should probably pick up some Joe Flacco. Yeah, I, uh, I was super flexible. Let me somebody, <laughs> I was listening to somebody on Sirius XM NFL radio talking about the injury. I, I can't remember, it's one of the Jets beat writers, and he he indicated that he he had been at all the open practices that he thought Joe Flacco was already the best quarterback in camp which isn't really that surprising, I guess, because he's the veteran, he's been around, he'll work through progressions. Whereas Zach Wilson, on the other hand, he tends to tuck and run pretty early. And that's what happened on that injury, actually. He looked at that first read, bailed out of the pocket with very little pressure on the outside. That that right tackle had that, that block made if he steps up in the pocket. Instead, he tries to make the move to make an extra play. This beat writer, I wish I remembered his name, I, I'm embarrassed that I can't uh he's very good he he also said that they they had a lot of wasted reps in New York with Wilson under under center because Wilson would consistently run with the football that's a wasted rep for the defense a wasted rep for all those young receivers that we care about over there even Brees Hall as a pass uh blocker to get those important reps he wasn't getting any of that because Wilson was outside the pocket trying to make plays with his legs so he long story short when, when you think about all those playmakers in New York and they do have a nice young group of, of playmakers there, it might be actually better that, that Joe Flacco could be under center in those first couple of weeks and uh, maybe give Wilson a chance to watch a veteran who's been there before a chance to, you know, be on the field. And, and maybe that helps everybody there in New York. I, I think you made a good point there, Matt. Lots of dynasty managers are out on Zach Wilson. I'm not ready to throw in the towel all the way because he does have those those raw skills, but it's clear he has a long ways to go. Well, and he see he it's like he sees ghosts, kind of like I mean, he's not the same player as Blake Bortles was early in his career, but kind of similar where he like sees a ghost and then tucks and either falls down or tries to run out and make a play and it doesn't work out. And you got the Ravens coming up in week one. Yeah, I'd say I'd rather have the veteran under center. 
no doubt. How about Ronald Jones? He's there, he made some headlines and not good ones in Kansas City over the weekend, talking about how how he may not even make the Kansas City roster. In fact, there's been multiple beat reporters in Kansas City who have projected the the Chiefs starting 53 in week one without Ronald Jones name on it. And part of that is because of Isaiah Pacheco. He was the second running back to play in the first preseason game. The only other running back other than Pacheco was CEH who got on the field with Patrick Mahomes on that first drive. So if you read the tea leaves there, Ryan, it really feels like Rojo not playing with the starters rumors. He could be a trade candidate. Not only is Pacheco's arrow pointing up, but Rojo seems like he might be on the outs in Kansas City. Yeah, I feel like he is. That to, that to me, that's not a major surprise. I know there was some, uh, there was a little bit of buzz on him. That that was more due to Clyde Edwards-Helaire being a disappointment the past couple of years, to the the general situation, just that being an offense and and a team that we like to have pieces of. But really, there there's really no reason to want Ronald Jones on your roster. And I think the chiefs are, the chiefs are figuring that out right now. So I I do think he gets cut. I don't think he makes this roster and I'm not sure if he makes any roster, we may not see him at all moving forward. Matt, I wanted to ask you about somebody on the other end of the spectrum and over in, in, uh, in San Francisco, Brandon, Ayuk. uh, Peter King was over in San Francisco at their um, training camp and called Ayuk the star of the 49ers camp. That's kind of interesting. We've heard up and down reports when it comes to Brandon Ayuk and and his relationship with Trey Lance, but King indicated in his most recent column that Ayuk and Trey Lance have a very tight relationship. What do you think of, of his slow starts over the last couple of seasons? And can he be that, that second fiddle that, that maybe one B receiver there in Kent or excuse me, in San Francisco for Trey Lance. Yeah, this is a tough one because we got reports earlier that it was kind of the same as last off season. He's in the doghouse again. You know, Shanahan is not, not, not the fan. And then we get these reports that they're the, be- him and Lance are the best of friends. And uh, maybe this is a breakfast situation like Cooper, Cooper cup and uh, uh, Matthew Stafford from last year. Um, but it makes sense that, Ayuk would have a good season. I think uh, if you look at Trey Lance's, you know, what his skill set is, he runs the ball and he has an incredible deep ball, right? So the, the, the player on that offense, I think that is going to be running those deep routes is Ayuk. It's not really Debo's game. It's not necessarily Kittle's game. Uh, and I think Kittle's going to be in there blocking a lot this season. So, uh, I mean, if Ayuk and he connect on a lot of these deep balls, I can definitely see it. I think he, I think he finished like, wide receiver 19 15 something like that two years ago last year was much worse than that obviously but i think we get back to that you know that fringe running excuse me wide receiver two wide receiver three kind of borderline with iuk this season what's nice about iuk ryan is that he doesn't necessarily play the same game as debo samuel although they've been compared many times debo samuel got the new contract it has all the running rushing language in it so there are going to be opportunities where Ayuk is the primary receiver on plays and, and maybe a, a chunk of plays, especially towards the end of the season when we all crave those fantasy points. I'm, I'm kind of coming around to Ayuk being a dynamite wide receiver three for fantasy that with that wide receiver two upside. Well, yeah, there, there's tons of upside with Ayuk, and, and we've seen it uh, over the past two years, his first two years in the league. I mean, we just need, Matt, Matt alluded to it there a little bit, we just need season-long consistency with Ayuk. Uh, prove he can stay on the field, prove he can uh, be a reliable uh, option for the 49ers and, and for fantasy managers, but he's essentially played half seasons in, in these first two years, and he's He's finished as uh, as the wide receiver 36 in each of those years, each of those seasons. So if he's on the field from week one in the lineup, a real factor for the 49ers, then this could easily be his best year, even if he is the third option uh, on that crowded offense behind Kittle and Debo. He, you know, speaking to that consistency late in the season when Debo kind of transferred into that hybrid role where he's playing a lot of running back as well over those last 10 games, 
Brandon Ayuk finished in the top 30 among wide receivers in eight of those final 10 games, including three wide receiver one finishes over that stretch. So a little more consistency late in the season. Hopefully that continues moving forward. Staying in San Francisco, guys, this is one I threw in at the end because it's it's eye-catching. and We haven't talked a lot about Trey Sermon, probably for good reason. Uh, lots of positive reviews from the tr- coaching staff. I, I recently heard a, a Trey Lance quote as well that, that he says Trey Sermon's jacked up and he's ready ready for this season. There's a little bit of post-hype sleeper here with Trey Trey Sermon. Everybody's expecting or talking about the other tailbacks, Ryan, in San Francisco. Trey Sermon's just lurking there. Not a lot of room to run in that first preseason game against the Packers. Six carries for 11 yards. At what level are you really believing in Sermon moving into 2022? Yeah, I'm still not really buying in. I I think the two biggest factors kind of in Sermon's corner right now are that draft capital uh, and and just the the fact that the 49ers always seem to use multiple running backs. So really the only good things about him have nothing to do really with him as a player, just that he might get a chance based on, again, that draft capital and the, uh, the multiple running back thing. Overall, I mean, we didn't see Wilson play. We didn't see Elijah Mitchell play. He's behind those guys still. Uh, he does seem to be ahead of Ty Davis Price right now, but I don't think it would be a surprise uh, to see that role flip-flopped. I, I mean, I'm not even convinced Sermon makes the team yet. Uh, I'm with with Ryan. I'm, I'm not buying in, but I don't think any of us would be surprised if he has a significant role yeah. this season, right? Like, it's we think it's Elijah Mitchell. It should be Elijah Mitchell. He was so good last year, but you know, we, we we've seen the writing on the wall with him for an injury standpoint. Um, and you know, who, who knows what TDP is and Jeff Wilson's hanging out there and, you know, he's healthy this year, so he's probably going to have a role. So, uh, it's, it's kind of a mess. I'm not really investing in any of it. If I can get Elijah Moore under cost, then maybe, excuse me, uh, Elijah Mitchell under cost, then, uh, I'd probably I'd probably go that way, but otherwise I'm not paying anything. I mean, for with these guys with that team, with what we've seen from them, obviously Mitchell's the starter and the and yeah. the favorite to lead the the backfield. But if you fast forward four or five months, and you could tell me any of those four guys led the team in rushing, and it wouldn't surprise me. Not at all. The last one I wanted to to mention, and I can just briefly cover this one myself, guys, is Kadarius Tony. The wide receiver had a knee scope over the offseason. Apparently, he suffered that setback about a week ago, and now he's not practicing. The Giants are hoping that he'll be back later this week. But it's we're all monitoring this, or at least all of us that have been in his corner, uh, myself included. It is That guy just can't stay healthy, and it's already showing. I, I watched Hard Knocks last week, guys, and I saw uh, Dan Campbell in front of his team at the beginning of that episode talk about how right now – is the time where you're as healthy as you're going to be until next March. And the next day I saw this about Kadarius Tony and I, I just shook my head that, that that's not good. One day. You down with ADP. Yeah. You know me. We are always down with ADP here on the DLF dynasty podcast. And like Ryan mentioned earlier, we have new August dynasty ADP. Um, and we thought it'd be fun to talk about some of the players that we think are most likely to fall out of ADP of, of a range of ADP over the next, oh, over the season, really until the Super Bowl next year. Right. So we're going to go over the first three rounds and then we're going to ask uh, each of us a question to answer. So let's start with the round one ADP. It starts at the top with Jamar Chase, Jonathan Taylor and Justin Jefferson. So a little bit of a change there, and we can talk about that. Followed up by Najee Harris, CeeDee Lamb, and Christian McCaffrey at the sixth pick. The back half of the first round goes DeAndre Swift, Kyle Pitts, Cooper Cup, Javante Williams, A.J. Brown, and Debo Samuel as a first-round pick. So the question for you guys, which player is most likely to fall out of the top 12 by February 2023? Let's throw it to Matt first. I feel like you can make a case for at least five or six of these guys as being the one, but I'm just going to, I'm going to take the boring option. I'm going to say Cooper cup because he's going to be 30 years old at this point. And I just don't see a 30 year, unless he's going on a run, like, you know, uh, 
uh, Antonio Brown did, you know, later in his career, then I just, I just can't see a 30 year old wide receiver being in the first round. So I'll go that route, but I mean, I think you can make an argument for a handful of these other ones too. All right. So Matt made the argument and a clear one for cup, Ryan, if you had to say the second, most likely, who would you say? Uh, I actually did not choose Cooper cup. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, so so I'll go with my guy here, uh, and uh, AJ Brown. He's currently the eleventh pick. Um, you know, of course, we we love AJ Brown from a dynasty standpoint. Still very young. He's in that new situation though, and and while he will, it, it, in my opinion, and and presumably be the wide receiver one, the top option for the Eagles. He's going to have a lot more competition for targets than he did in Tennessee. I think they're going to throw the ball. Uh, less in Philadelphia than even than they did in Tennessee, although that wasn't certainly wasn't a high powered pass offense either. So I, I think we see a dip in targets, a dip in volume, uh, overall a drop in production with more competition. And I don't think he loses a ton of value, but I do expect him to be in that second round range uh, more than uh, more likely than the late first. Yeah, I, I agree with both of those, and I think they're they're both worthy of being picked here. I had Cooper Cup as my top guy. A.J. Brown was in the top three as well. I, I'm going to take Christian McCaffrey just to be different than you guys. And, and for a lot of the same reasons that Matt mentioned about Cooper Cup, Christian McCaffrey, two really awful injury-plagued seasons, and now – now we're we're giving him the benefit of the doubt, really, right? That that he's still in the top six in ADP, and this guy's twenty six, uh, won't be twenty seven till next summer. But this is when we try to get out on these running backs, and I realize he's he's a different kind of guy. And when he's on the field, he is the number one player in fantasy football. I agree with all those things as well. But it's rare that you see guys that are twenty seven. I think Matt had the list last week or the week before that are in the first round of ADP. So I think between those three, who knows, we might go three for three on that thing, guys. But um, pretty safe to say that those are those are three of the higher names on that list. Let's jump over to round two, and I'll, I'll review how these 12 picks went in order, and then we'll, we'll ask a question here as well, starting at the 201 with Austin Eckler, then the rookie Brees Hall and Delvin Cook at number three in the second round. He's followed up by Saquon Barkley and Jalen Waddle, then Stephon Diggs and Joe Mixon at the 2.07, followed up by T. Higgins, Mark Andrews, and Devontae Adams. The last two picks of round two are DK Metcalf and Michael Pittman. So we're going to switch it up here. really seems like the running backs are, or at least the aging running backs, are the most likely to fall. So we're going to ask, Ryan, which non-running back is most likely to fall out of the second round by the Super Bowl? Of course, uh, that that second round was running back heavy, especially at the top with uh, w- with four straight. So eliminating those options uh, actually makes it pretty easy. I see st- two strong candidates here for guys that could fall out of the top twenty-four. Uh, I went with the one who's. Uh, who's further down the list right now. That's Devonte Adams, kind of a similar story to AJ Brown, uh, new team, more competition for targets than he had in green Bay. Uh, and, uh, and that, uh, drop off in quarterback that we've talked so much about, we saw a big drop in value after the trade to the Raiders. And, uh, if Devonte Adams is not putting up a top three, maybe a top five season this year, uh, it's going to be hard for him to maintain this value at all. I think he's a third rounder, maybe even a fourth rounder in startups next year. Of course, Adams turns 30 on Christmas Eve as well. So uh, certainly probably the most obvious guy out of this group to fall out of these, these 12 picks. Matt, who'd you pick? I think Adams is really the, I mean, if we're being honest, I think he's the only real answer here. I think you can throw Diggs in there, but I, but, but I just think he's going to have a better season than Adams does. So he's a little bit more likely to stay there. He's also a little bit, um, a little bit younger. I think a year younger than Adams. So uh, I'll, I'll throw him out there, but I think Adams is the real answer. Yeah, Adams the, is really the clear one, and I would say that Diggs is unlikely to be in the top twenty-four picks uh, at the most as well. I'm. 
just to be different than you guys, I'm going to take DK Metcalf as the guy that I think could fall out. He's he's the third most likely outside of the running backs for me, and not because of an age issue or maybe not even because of the quarterback situation there and, and the question marks in general in Seattle. I'm not expecting a big season from him. There have been plenty of wide receivers that have been very productive with, with bottom 10% starting quarterbacks. Um, and that could happen with DK Metcalf. I'm just, I just always had a little bit of trouble getting on board with the inconsistency in his game. And, and I think he belongs in the third round already right now. So that's why I'll go with him uh, as most likely to fall out of round two. How about round three, fellas? We're going we're gonna to go through these real quickly, and then we'll ask which player from the third round could leap all the way to round one by the time the Super Bowl kicks off. This is a fun one for sure. There's, there's, I think there's a most likely obvious one, but we'll we'll see what everybody thinks here. Round three goes DJ Moore, then Tyreek Hill and Travis Etienne, followed up by uh, Elvin Kamara, Nick Chubb, and Derrick Henry. The bottom half of round three goes Cam Akers, Deontay Johnson, Terry McLaurin, Aaron Jones, Drake London, and Josh Allen. Matt, if you had to pick one of these guys to jump up two full rounds, who would you? I I think it's cheating, maybe cheating a little bit because I'm taking the top guy on the list. But I'm going to take DJ Moore there. He he's been kind of floating in this like mid wide receiver one, or excuse me, wide receiver two, or um, back end wide receiver one, and in terms of ADP over the course of his career. And now he has maybe the best quarterback he's had in his career. I mean that I don't know. Maybe Cam Newton, this, DJ Moore's rookie year. Maybe he was he would you could call him that, but I, I just don't know. And, and DJ Moore. Uh, you know, only four touchdowns, uh, I think is the most he's had in, so far in the season. I think that number is coming up uh, maybe more to match what he was doing in college. He was a touchdown producer in college. So uh, I'm going to take him, and I'm, I'm pretty excited about DJ Moore this this season. Ryan, did you have somebody different? Uh, I definitely consider DJ Moore very strongly. Uh, I, I think I'm going to make a case for Travis Etienne here, though. We've already seen uh, We've already seen a big jump in value from him. Uh, for him, really just based on expectations. We talked a, a couple weeks ago that he's already being valued higher than he was pre-injury last year. So that is a good sign. Uh, in February, he will still, uh, after the season, he will still be just 23 years old. So that is another uh, plus for him. And you look at the running backs currently ahead of him, Nick Chubb, Derek Henry, and then so many of those running backs that are in that 26, 27 age range, like Cook, Eckler, uh, and even McCaffrey. So we're talking about a guy who could make a big leap and maybe jump into the back end of that uh, of that first round. I like both of those picks. I think they're they're the two most likely to jump all the way into the top 12. I think Cam Akers has an outside chance for a lot of the reasons you mentioned there. Ryan uh, with ETN coming off the injury and in a workload type or a workhorse type uh, offense with a coach that likes to have a, a primary tailback. I'm going to mention Drake London's name as the last guy that I considered. I, I don't think he's the most likely, not even close. Those other guys are, are certainly higher on the list, but a guy that's six, five two ten, and picked in the top 10 of the NFL draft, those kind of guys often make huge, huge leaps, and it's possible, right? Now, now we had a couple last year with Jalen Waddle and and uh, Jamar Chase. Waddle didn't make it quite to the to the first round, I don't think ever. Did he, Ryan? Was he was he ever the twelfth pick? I think he. I, I think he did. I think he, he did jump into the first round. Yeah, and those guys had magical seasons. I don't think anybody's really projecting Drake London to to catch eighty five plus passes and and go soaring past a thousand yards, double digit touchdowns or anything like that. But it, I think it's in the realm of possibility, even with the quarterback that they have there. So I'll take the dark horse out of this group and go with Drake. Dan, London. Dan, I can't wait for in a couple of years, once Mike Evans retires for Drake London to be your new least favorite wide receiver. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh man. I, I love Drake London. Give me a break. He's, he's already better than Mike Evans. Uh, uh, I, did, oh I did check Dan and uh, Waddle 13th overall has, has been Waddle's peak so far. So he hasn't oh, quite jumped, hadn't quite jumped into the first round, but very, very close. 
before we move on, guys, we should talk about our friends over at Underdog Fantasy, the easiest way to play fantasy football all year long. And when I say easy, boy, do I mean easy. No in-season management, no waivers, no trades. Just draft your team for a shot at $10 million in total prize money with their brand new and, and like one of the greatest contests in the world, Best Ball Mania 3 Contest. Head to underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app. Use the promo code DLF, and they're even going to match that first deposit up to 100 bucks. So go throw that throw that 100 bucks in there, and suddenly there's $200. You can play all those, uh, put all that into Best Ball Mania 3, have eight, that'd be eight shots, guys, at winning the $2 million grand prize in Best Ball Mania 3. It also sharpens your focus for the season. I can't say enough good things about our buddies over there at Underdog Fantasy. Uh, that's Underdog Fantasy. Sign up with the promo code DLF and draft your Best Ball Mania 3 team today. It's time for the Rookie Report. Yes, it is. And this is probably going to be a mainstay on the show, maybe through the whole season. we got to talk about these rookies. That's what we all care about. And there are so many rookie notes that we need to cover this week. So let's jump right into it. I wanted to start on the very low end of probably the, the dynasty radar when it comes to these rookies, Ryan, it's Jalen Warden, Warren, uh, running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He went undrafted, of course. Probably some listeners out there that don't know that name all that well. Um, he was mixing in with the first string over the last week or week and a half, and and I'm just kind of wondering, he looked, he looked kind of good in that preseason game this past weekend. If you're investing in one of these backup Steeler running backs – Who's the guy that you prefer? Uh, well, I, I think when that's the question, it, it's easily Jalen Warren. We've seen, uh, unfortunately, my UK guy, Benny Snell, uh, has, has failed to establish himself over his uh, short time in the league. S- really, same story with Anthony McFarland. Uh, I know that uh, there's been a little bit of, uh, of positive news about McFarland, but you know, I feel like we've kind of been down that road. So if I'm taking a shot on uh, a Steelers backup, it's definitely Jalen Warren uh, at this point. Um, Matt Williamson, my co-host on Locked On Dynasty, of course, covers the Steelers very closely and has been in training camp over the past couple of weeks, has been raving about Jalen Warren, loves him, and has already predicted that he will be the primary backup behind Najee Harris. So I definitely like taking a shot on Warren, whether it's a late rookie draft or maybe you've already had your rookie draft and and waivers are opening up. He's a guy to take a look at uh, for sure. And in deep leagues, if he's out on the waiver wire, Matt, you might want to put a little priority on this. If if you're talking 30 man rosters and pretty much everybody's already on on a roster, he had six carries for 34 yards, caught a touchdown pass on a little flat route that looked, he looked pretty good on that one, four catches for 30 yards. I've, I've kind of been a McFarland fan for, for a couple of years and he looked pretty good in that Steelers opener as well. But Warren certainly caught my eye in that opening matchup. Yeah, I was going to say McFarland looked pretty good in, in the first preseason game, but I agree it's it's Warren. If, if McFarland was going to be a contributor, I think he probably would have shown something in the regular season by now. So, um, And if you want to update on his price, he's we're currently doing the Red List 2 free agent auction uh, we do before the season. His first this is a three-copy league. His first copy is at about 16% of the total free, free agent acquisition budget for the season. So yeah, um, I, I think he's probably going problem. higher. Yeah, yep, for sure. Next note we have here is the aforementioned Drake London. Had the had the little scare. I think everybody in the Dynasty community held their breath there for a moment. Injured his knee on his only target and catch of that first preseason game for the Falcons. Made a nice play on that play, but hobbled off and didn't return to the game. Not expected, luckily, Matt, to be a long-term injury uh, we might have we might have sidestepped a bad one there. Yeah, I don't I don't have a whole lot to add. He looked pretty good on that first catch, and he got hurt short, shortly after. So hopefully he comes back quick and and continues developing with whoever is the quarterback is going to be this year. I still don't know who it is. I kind of think it's Mariota for most of the season. I don't know if you guys have a take on that. I don't know if it really matters in terms of London's production or value so much. Um, but yeah, he looked he looked good in limited action. Personally. 
I feel like Mariota is going to start a majority of the Falcons games. Yeah. Ryan, do you have, do you have any take on that? I guess I do as well, but I mean, I know it, it was, uh, you know, kind of mop up duty of the, of the first preseason game, but I was pretty impressed with Ritter uh, in, in that first game, ran the ball as well. So that's good news from a fantasy standpoint. I, I do think that they're going to have to figure out what they have or if they have anything with Desmond Ritter before, before we get to the end of the season. So uh, that, that may be a month or it may be half the season. Speaking of Ritter, 103 yards through the two touchdowns, including the game winner back shoulder or back, back foot, uh, all arm throw and the receiver makes a nice play, all those things, but just 10 of 22 looked kind of lost at a few of those throws. Um, certainly looked like a, a rookie playing his first NFL action at times, but there were moments when, when it was pretty impressive also had the six carries for 59 yards. So unlocking that dual threat and that dynasty upside, Matt, where, where you think, man, if this guy could get a whole game to himself, he could score enough on the ground where anything, anything in the passing game is, is just gravy on top. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I liked what I saw from Ritter. I mean, I, I think we, again, with all of these players that we're going to talk about with take a little bit of grain of salt with vanilla defensive coverage, all that kind of stuff. And I think where we saw Ritter really struggle in college was with some of his decision-making when he was facing a lot of pressure and Ryan mentioned he did some nice running in this game. So, you know, if that's, if that tends to be his, his, his first option when he gets in that situation, it probably was going to work out, but I really want to see what's going to happen once he has real NFL pressure and what he does um, with the ball in that situation let's talk about another wide receiver that has had some injury scares for sure christian watson for the green bay packers activated off the pup list in the last few days lots of side work um no no real team drills just yet romeo dubs is getting getting all the pub really right now right ryan and watson has been sitting on the sideline but he is getting on the field i actually saw saw a tweet with some uh, some fan video of Watson and Aaron Rodgers working together. Those two, multiple throws together. Uh, Rodgers walking him through how he wants routes to look. That's that's something in the positive uh, in the positive light, I guess. What's your take on Watson? Because it, he's fallen out of the first round in rookie drafts that are happening late. I'm wondering what you're thinking. Yeah, he has. I talked about that uh, ADP data that we have on uh, on the site over at DLF. It, it comes straight from my fantasy league, actual rookie drafts that are happening right now. Filter by date. That's what I just did to look at drafts that have happened in the last 10 or 12 days or so. And you're right. Watson is outside of that first round now. Uh, Pickens, Jahan Dotson, Rashad White have all moved up ahead of him. Uh, it, it feels like we've been very, very hard on uh, Christian Watson on this show over the past couple of weeks. And I mean, it's definitely good news that he he's back off that pup list and, and on the field practicing, but still so many of the things uh, that we mentioned is, is kind of going against him both short and long-term are still factors. Uh, Dubs playing so well, Alan Lazard and, and Randall Cobb in place as veterans, the, the narrative of, uh, of, uh, Aaron Rodgers not trusting rookies, you know, say what you will about that. Uh, and, and then just uh, Watson's age and, and relative inexperience. So I'm still not buying Watson even at his uh, his lower price, but I am glad to see him back on the field and and uh, hope he can regain some of that value. Dan, I'm, I'm worried. I mean, we're, oh, no. we're getting excited about <laughs> and what when was what round was Dubs drafted in? I don't know. I don't even remember. Uh, but we're getting we're getting excited about this guy as our wide receiver one. You know, I just we're we're, we're bringing back people are starting to hype up Randall Cobb as like the likely you know per, per, uh, receiver. It, by people, you mean Aaron Rodgers, right? It's Aaron Rodgers that's hyping up <laughs> Randall Cobb. Yeah, but then that gets you know it's the echo chamber. That's what it's what happens. So. I don't know. I, I don't know about you, Dan, but I am extremely worried about this season from an offensive perspective. This oh, is I'm, no different I'm than what I'm, we. This is what we expected. Like since the Adams trade, you're not going to replace Adams with Dubs or Watson or Lazard. They're they're kind of, you know, they're they're firing wide instead of deep with with the options there. And Tunyon's back. 
He was running. I mean, they're going to be fine, but specifically about Watson, eh, we'll see. Yeah, I, you know, the, the, the real truth is they didn't bring Sammy Watkins in. And I know I'm saying a name that so many dynasty managers roll their eyes at. They didn't bring him in to, to sit behind those guys. He's going to be on the field if he's healthy. It's very clear to me and should be to everybody else that Alan Lazard is going to be on the field. Randall Cobb is going to be on the field if he's healthy. And a lot of people might snicker, but there's been some positive buzz about Amari Rodgers. He had a nice punt return and made a nice play in the, on, on offense against the 49ers as well. And he looks significantly quicker than he did last year. So there is a path to to not only Watson being the fourth or fifth receiver, but also Dubs being the fourth or fifth wide receiver as well. And I don't know if that's necessarily all that bad as a Packer fan. I, I don't think it's all that bad as a dynasty manager either because we're talking about giving up second round picks for these guys at this point. Dubs, you probably got in the fourth or on free agency a few weeks ago. So we, we didn't invest much. I'm not that worried about any of the Packers receivers because as Ryan said, this is kind of what we should have expected. And if you didn't, that, that's kind of on you because they, they, they had a lot of question marks coming into this camp. I personally am just fine giving up the 13th or 14th or 15th pick in a draft if you're still having one for a guy with the raw upside of Watson, even with all the negative publicity. Guys, last thing on this, I did see a draft where Romeo Dubs went 13th overall and Christian Watson went 15th. So that was eye-opening to me. That's way too early for Dubs based on like a little bit of hype in the preseason. I have seen him get got. I've seen him move for a second round pick twice now in leagues. So yeah, it's gonna real. yeah one of those was Dan. One of them was me. Although <laughs> That's right. One of them was Dan actually. Yeah. Come on. And uh, you know, that that's all good. And that's, that's all fine. But he's moving. He moved up to 13 overall in a real draft. That, that is, that is too, too high. Uh, Speaking of guys that have moved up really fast, let's talk about George Pickens real quickly, uh, the wide receiver in Pittsburgh. We talked about him briefly last week, but now he did it with the lights on, right, guys? Uh, three catches, 43 yards, and a pretty impressive touchdown. Had to tap the toes in the corner of the end zone. Probably the best throw that we've seen from Mason Rudolph as a professional. Mm-hmm. Uh, but lots of buzz generated around Pickens. Ryan, I know you said Williamson has been has been really pumping him up. I'm sure he's not pumping any brakes on that. It certainly looks like Pickens is the real deal. Rumors now that Claypool could be on the trade market even. Uh, George Pickens looks like a, a steal in the second round of rookie drafts this spring. Yeah, so so mad I didn't end up with uh, with George Pickens on very many of my teams for sure. I know uh, a lot of people would share that sentiment. Uh, yeah, I keep bringing up Williamson on the Steeler stuff. I almost have to. He was very quick uh, ten days ago or so when when camp basically when camp opened to anoint Pickens as as a, a better dynasty option than Chase Claypool. That looks like. A, a, a foregone conclusion at that point. And uh, I think, I think Williamson's ready to move him ahead of Deontay now after what he's seen. Oh so I'm not quite ready to go that far, but it, it's hard to not be impressed uh, and, and really excited by what we've seen from George Pickens so far. Uh, Williamson actually compared him to Larry Fitzgerald today. Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, speaking of impressive Pittsburgh rookies, Matt, Kenny Pickett, 13 out of 15 passing, 95 yards, two touchdowns, no picks against four stringers, of course, in their opening preseason game, but looked pretty good doing it. He was the third quarterback in the game. Uh, lots of underneath passing, but th- also through the game winning touchdown, um, their, their offensive coordinator, Matt Canada, I think is his name, yeah. uh, what, did an interview this past week. And talked about they have had a plan since the moment they drafted him. He's going to move through this plan and that it's still a competition. It seems to me like he might be the second quarterback up this week. And then maybe the maybe get the first shot with the starters in week three. Last week, I said I thought it was going to be Pickett and you guys snickered at me. Are you still laughing at me, Matt? I, I still don't think he's starting week one. I mean, it, 
if he does that kind of performance, has that kind of performance against you know a first team defense in the preseason, maybe we're getting to that point. But I, I, I don't think I, I, I just still think it's going to be Trubisky for now. Um, but I do think he gets on the field at some point this season if the Steelers, you know, if they, they what's the over under on when Kenny Pickett starts his first game? Well, I was going to say it's so hard with the Steelers because you feel like even if they're bad, they're going to be like a close to 500 team and like trying to compete for a playoff spot, you know. So I'm going to put it at at eight to ten games. I'll, I'll say eight. I'll say eight. I'll say eight and a half. I'll slam the under all day long on that. I, I think I'd take the under if it was three point five or more. Pickens, Pickens oh, wow. by the way, I wanted to back up just one second. That was one of the trades I mentioned uh, at the beginning of the show. Uh, I sent a mid to late 23 first for Pickens because I missed out. Whoa. Pretty so, aggressive. Uh, I was going yeah. strong for that. It is an auction yeah. league. So no, it I like it. I'm glad you mentioned it because that's what it's going to take to get to yeah. get Pickens at this point. And I knew that. Or I knew that two seconds wasn't going to do it. So, Yeah. Uh, nice trade. We'll see how that shakes out. Another wide receiver that's been making some waves, Ryan, is Khalil Shakir. Really a guy that's been under the radar, third or fourth round rookie through most of draft season, but five catches for 92 yards in week one of the preseason. Uh, surprisingly, played a lot on the outside. I haven't watched that entire game, but I did see a whole bunch of his routes and multiple routes from the from the outside. He was a downfield threat, made a nice play, of course, from out there. Played in the slot as well, but there's been some buzz about him in Buffalo camp, as, and maybe he, he is the fifth receiver on that roster, fourth or fifth guy uh, on the field. But out of a third or fourth round pick in a rookie draft, you got to feel good about that. Yeah, I was glad to see that versatility from Shakir as well, and I think we're going to have to see that to see him get on the field because they've, you know, they've got Crowder currently ahead of him. They got Isaiah McKenzie currently ahead of them. Obviously both of those guys more slew, more suited to play the slot. So, um, I mean, we've seen this from, from Buffalo before, most notably w- recently with Gabe Davis that we kind of saw hype from, but got pushed down the depth chart. So I don't know that Shakir is going to be able to make any type of impact this year with, with Diggs, Davis, Crowder, and McKenzie all ahead of him. McKenzie's certainly been impressing as well. Uh, but Shakir's definitely a guy I want to stash and hold on to, to see what happens in 2023 and beyond. I did see a blurb or, or a tweet or something that Shakir has been the, the guy that's been shadowing uh Stefan Diggs their top receiver and and there might be a path to if Diggs were to go down that Shakir would play that role on the outside so it does make sense a little bit all those slot receivers they if, if Diggs weren't there maybe they would turn to a guy like Shakir who has that kind of skill set to to be a downfield uh threat and a little bit enough shake in his route to get open on the perimeter. I was I was impressed with that handful of routes that I watched from the uh, from the rookie there. Speaking of impressive rookies, we can't do this rookie news and notes without talking about Damian Pierce, Matt, the Houston running back. Just five carries, but tallied up forty eight yards. He was the second, maybe even the third running back on the field for the Texans. So playing against third and fourth stringers for much of it, Marlon Mack started, but just three carries for six yards and got, got lots of positive reviews from that coaching staff after game one. Do you remember, do you guys remember that friends episode where Phoebe like runs to the park and she invites uh, (laughs) what's her, uh, the other one, uh, Rachel, Rachel to run with her. And she's like this, That's that's the impression. That was the immediate image that came to my mind when I, when I watched those Damian Pierce carries. He runs so violently and like not want to say out of control, but like you know, kind of out a little bit out of control, a little bit. So, uh, I, but but like you said, I think he's definitely the best back. I mean, Marlon Mack looked looked real bad. <laughs> so hopefully that is not Cam Akers' future from an Achilles tear. I really hope that doesn't happen. But yeah, I mean, we we were talking about how he's probably going to take the lead at some point this season. At this point, you know, maybe it's directly from week one. He is a lock to play a lot as a rookie. Their their depth chart is a who's who of guys that dynasty managers wish would kind of just go away and get out of the way for, for young guys. Marlon Mack, Rex Burkhead, Royce Freeman, and Dare Agunbowale are the other names in that backfield. And we don't want any of those guys getting any touches. 
in instead of Damian Pierce. Pierce is a guy, Ryan, that if you're in a late rookie draft, he's going in the first round for sure. No doubt about it. Top 12 pick. And it probably wouldn't be surprising if you were in a single quarterback league that forces you to play two running backs. If he went as high as like seven or eight or nine. Yeah, the, the hype is growing on him. Obviously, the uh, opportunity, as really as we expected, is, is going to be there for Pierce. And, and Matt said it. We kind of knew this would happen. It was just a matter of time. And uh, fortunately for, uh, for those of us who took a shot on him, it, it does look like it's going to be early. Uh, I, I actually drafted him. I was up in Canton, Ohio this past weekend. Uh, participated in the Kings Classic uh, live draft and live auction, so two separate leagues. Uh, as, as I always do, I went wide receiver heavy and, and was chasing running backs later. I ended up with Damian Pierce on both of those rosters, mm. so I'm I, I will really be cheering for him. And ended up with Jalen Warren on both rosters as well, actually. But uh, yeah, if Pierce hits, I'm going to be pretty happy about da- that. Dan, right now, Damian Pierce or Christian Watson? I would take Watson personally in a dynasty, but okay. I'm, I'm not surprised if people are taking Pierce, but you know, I like to go for the big upside, not, not necessarily the points early um, guys. We got a whole bunch of these to get through. So let's package some of these guys together. There are a few running backs we need to talk about Isaiah Pacheco. We mentioned him last week, the running back for Kansas city. He was the second running back on the field and the only other running back other than CEH to play with Mahomes. two carries uh, just one catch for five yards, Nothing really that impressive except that playing time. Also, Brian Robinson, six carries for 26 yards and a, and a touchdown, caught two passes as well, but looked like the best running back in Washington. Of course, Antonio Gibson, who fumbled way too much last year, fumbled again in that game and was benched for Robinson. So these two guys, Ryan, I know you've been a Brian Robinson guy. You have ranked him the highest among DLF rankers for really since – since the NFL draft, right? I think you had him as high as 13 or 14 at one point. Uh, But it looks like he's the obvious choice for the goal line short yardage role and might be in line for even more than that. Yeah. And and that's really been the basis of my, uh, of my high ranking that I I felt like he, he had, um, he had a role locked in. And uh, if those Gibson struggles continued, it could be more than that. And uh, unfortunately we're seeing them continue the fumble that he lost uh, and, and then w- we saw the reports of him working with special teams in practice uh, early this week. So not good news for uh, for Antonio Gibson. Very good news for Brian Robinson. To me, it's a toss up if I want Brian Robinson or Damian Pierce. Uh, that's how highly I value uh, Robinson. For good reason. Uh, the third running back I wanted to throw into this conversation is Brees Hall. Did play in that preseason game uh, this past weekend, five carries for 15 yards. Was listed third on the depth chart, but that's probably just coach speak for the rookie. He has to earn his chops and get his shot. Nothing really to worry about there, Matt, except, you know, there there are guys going down. The offensive line has taken a couple hits. Uh, with Makai Becton, and, you know, they replaced him with a veteran. I think George Fant was the one that they signed over there. Um, any worries about Brees Hall if, if you took him at 101 in, in a rookie draft? Not not long-term, but definitely, I, th- I definitely think he's going to be worth less, let's say, mid-season than he is right now. I think, was he, like, running back five or six? I think we we talked about that already somewhere up on this sheet. But they start out with all the stuff going on with the Jets. They start out with the Ravens, the Browns, the Bengals, the Steelers, the Dolphins. Maybe they that's a, not a gimme, but, you know, a little bit easier than the Packers and the Broncos and the Patriots and the Bills. It just keeps going. Like, for, this is a bad schedule for, you know, a team that we don't think is going to be very good and is going to probably have Joe Flacco starting in week one. So, I am worried about his value in the short term, but as a player, I think he'll be fine, you know, from a dynasty perspective, long-term. I hope that opens up a sliver of a selling opportunity or a buying opportunity for me, because I'd love to have Brees Hall on every, uh, every dynasty team are currently RB six, 14 overall in that second round. Um, Danny Gray, we should mention him two catches, 99 yards, the long touchdown, from Trey Lance, 76 yarder slot fade that was was really he's he's faster than whoever number six is for the Packers. 
Uh, third round rookie undrafted in many recent rookie drafts. That's probably going to change after the little bit of buzz we've seen. Uh, right, Ryan? Yeah, I would think so. And, and you know, we talked about Ayuk and, and Samuel and Kittle, that entire 49ers offense earlier in the episode. Uh, I, mean, I mean, it certainly could be Danny Gray as as the wide receiver three in that uh, in that offense. And you wouldn't expect that to turn into much necessarily with with the three top targets. Uh, but as far as being worth a roster spot or worth a, a fourth round draft pick in those late rookie drafts, certainly. Yeah, we're talking about 30-man rosters. He should for sure be on a team. 25-man rosters. He's probably being considered most likely. Speaking of the word likely, uh, tight end. Isaiah likely, tight end for Baltimore. He's the third or fourth tight end on the roster. But there was something to like about that guy when we watched him uh, coming out of college. Four catches for 44 yards the other day. Played with the second and third team. But when I watched him... I thought he was a wide receiver and you know, I wasn't familiar with, with what Jersey number he was wearing. Then they said his name. I said, Oh, I know who that guy is. He ran slow at the combine, but I thought he looked a lot faster. And if he could work his way into a second option as a pass catching tight end, I think there's some long-term upside with Isaiah likely any thoughts on, on him guys. Um, I mean, I kind of discounted him because they drafted they drafted a second tight end too. Uh, the name is eluding me right yeah, now. Yeah, Charlie um, Kohler. That's that's just Kohler. what they do, though, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, but they also have Mark Andrews there. So, like, I was like, okay, he's never going to eclipse Mark Andrews. But when you look at the receiving core now, and you got one receiver that we feel good about, right? And, you know, maybe he is going to be something, and he's somebody I have zero exposure to, and probably should have picked up in the fourth round in multiple spots. Well, between the um, between the lack of pass catching options there outside of Bateman and uh, and Mark Andrews, uh, that that's a a positive, of course, for Likely or, or really for any of these other young young players on the Ravens' offense. Um, but also just the fact that they always seem to have two tight ends on the field. You know that is that is uh, not rare at all for Baltimore. Andrews is going to be there. Nick Boyle is the veteran. Uh, that that always seems to be there as well, but um, I think I don't think it would be a surprise if Likely had more targets and, and catches than Boyle by any means. Yeah, Boyle is really an extension of the offensive yes. line the yeah. guy that they put in the game in the running game, and he'll he'll catch one of those leak out touchdowns that'll make dynasty managers mad because it shouldn't be Mark Andrews or maybe even Isaiah Likely if he works into a rosterable state. Charlie Kohler was probably the more highly rated rookie by most but he's been injured throughout training camp hasn't gotten on the field and likely is grabbing a few help headlines so he's at the very least somebody that we should have on our radar somebody that should be on the edge of rosters if not already on them depending on the depth of your league last guy to talk about here guys i gotta send this one to matt because malik willis he looked pretty good the other day six for 11 107 yards five for 38 on the ground including that rushing touchdown where he got the pylon um he he looked like an athletic freak playing quarterback. I'll say that. He he really did, man. I mean, I, I mean, look, it's the preseason. I'm trying to temper expectations, don't overreact, all that kind of stuff. But I think he looked really good. I've been calling him still the quarterback one in this class, and I I, I know uh, uh, Pickett had a very efficient game, but that's the 48 yarder to McMath down 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 the the left side. You saw him make a five-step drop where he looks left, scanning the field. You see him going through those progressions, and then he made a perfect throw to the slot receiver. I forget who that was. You saw that that on that rush where he threw that sidearm underneath, like like a Patrick Rahone move. And that's that arm strength that we were talking about. You know, back from the the pro day where he broke Josh Allen's record for throwing the hardest, fastest ball of all time that's been measured at that event. So that ability, that's what gives him the ability to do that. Um, on the negatives, you know, it didn't really fumble. Uh, he, he didn't fumble, but he had several instances where he just kind of like palms, bombing the thing, running out of the pocket with his back to the to the defense, which I always hate. And you saw him be inconsistent in stepping up in the pocket, and that shows, you know, five for six for eleven, whatever it was. So it wasn't a great from a from a, uh, a completion percentage uh, perspective, and you know, like technical skills at a quarterback that you want to see, but. I mean, I just don't know if it matters with this guy. So I think, I mean, I didn't think he was going to get on the field at all uh, this season, if if the unless the the, the Titans just tank. But now I kind of, I'm kind of not sure they're going to be able to keep him on the bench. 
Hmm. That is that speaking highly there for sure. I would say the most most noteworthy thing that he did on the field had nothing to do with his rushing ability. It, I don't know if you remember the play. I watched every throw that he made. Yeah. He actually looked left, reset his feet, looked yeah. right, and delivered the pass. I think it was dropped or knocked down, but it was an accurate throw on a second read. And that, that that's really the thing that pushed him down into the third round is, is he was never an under center quarterback and wasn't known for progressions and, and making decisions with the ball beyond that first read outside of running the ball. Also, also touch Dan, like it, that was a big criticism. He does. He can't throw the ball a touch, but he hit Hassan Haskins in stride on a very yep. on a short pass. And I, I don't know. I think, I think he's going to be real good. Yeah, I, I hope you're right because uh, there there are some things that he can do that there's only a handful of quarterbacks that do in in our league. So uh, unlimited upside for sure, but but certainly I think everybody would say has some work to do uh, to unlock it all. I think we covered them all as many as we could get in here for sure. This rookie segment, as I said, probably going to be a mainstay here on the show because we got to talk about these guys and it's so much fun to do it. For Ryan and Matt, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We'll catch you again next week. Thank you for listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.